Well, good morning to each one of you. It's good to be here with you and to worship in this way. And I um, appreciate the Sunday School lesson. Thank you, Lamar, for your thoughts and preparation for that, too. And you may hear some similar thoughts here in the message today, but um, bear with me. <clears throat> the title of the message is Living in God's Will. And um, I'm going to start with an illustration, and then we're going to look at some aspects of God's will. And then also just look at some practical ways of discerning God's will. Um, but um, after the introduction here, I'd just like to for you to think about how God led people in Bible times. And so I'm going to open up to the congregation here. Just think of some things of how God led in Bible times. I'll give you opportunity um, for that. <clears throat> but the illustration here, this is um, a real-to-life illustration. But I don't know the people involved. I don't know the young girl that came to this person for advice. Um, but this is what she what she experienced and what she came to um, this person for advice. So this was a young lady, and um, some years ago she was looking for some advice, and um, she was in a dating relationship, and she was not sure she really loved this young man anymore, and, um, but yet in many ways she was kind of growing more and more fond of him. And so after a lot of prayer and a lot of thought on what, what does God have for me, she decided that she's going to ask God for a sign his will to be revealed to her so it was near christmas time and so she told god that you know what if you want me to continue dating this young man then i want you to direct a boyfriend to give me a pair of gloves and a scarf as a christmas gift all right so that's what she said that's what she wanted god to do for her but if she if god wanted her to stop their courtship then she would direct the young or he would direct a young man to give her anything except the scarf and the gloves so she's waiting with kind of a pounding heart and probably anxious and not sure what's going to happen and her plan that she that she talked to god about was unknown to anyone okay this was just between her and god <clears throat> but <clears throat> so excuse me christmas eve came and she came home from work and here was a gift and um, and her family said that her boyfriend had brought it to her or sent it to her, whatever it was. <clears throat> so she rushed to her room, and she opened it to see what it was. <clears throat> and there it was, gloves and a scarf. Now what? The young lady was very happy. However, she had one of those siblings in her family called a brother. And her brother played a trick on her. And her brother had no idea that she made this deal with God, but <clears throat> he went out and bought her gloves and a scarf and gave it to her as a gift and in teasing and a joke had said her boyfriend had brought it to her so her, her heart just sank when she realized that well the next day was christmas came and a gift from a boyfriend also came but it was not gloves and it was not a scarf now she said to the person she was getting advice from what about this method of seeking god's leading and i'll let you think about that too as well as you think about Mm. Um, finding God's will for your life. And as I think about this whole um, subject of living God's will, a lot of times we think, well, this is just for young people as they are growing up and they're trying to decide what does God have for me, what does he have for me work-wise, what does he have for me um, possibly in marriage, or where am I going to be living? But it's not just for them. It's for all of us as we go through life, as we seek God's will. What does God have for me? So how does God lead us today? As we looked at some different, as we look at some different aspects of God's will, how does God lead us today? How does God, our 
almighty spiritual being, how does he make his mind known to us as humans who are just, we can say, weak, we're, we're made of flesh and bones? How does God do that? Should we ask for signs? Should we spin a coin and pray that God will lead us in that way? Or <clears throat> should we make the most intelligent decisions that we know to make and call that God's will? Just some questions to think about. How does God lead us today? Anyway, let's, I'll give you an opportunity. How did God lead in Bible times in various ways? How did God lead in different ways? <clears throat> Through a still small voice. Through a still small voice. Very good. Okay. Someone else? Someone else? <clears throat> Finding a wife for Isaac? Okay, very good. <laughs> yeah, we like that. Yeah, very good. Okay. Okay. Yep. Well, there was lots of different ways. Um... And I wouldn't say that all of God's leading in, in Bible times was even dramatic ways. Um, but some of God's leading was just during those times of people doing normal, routine work. Taking care of the sheep, mending a net, working the fields, etc. So we know that life is full of decisions. There's many things that we need to... Some are big decisions, some are small decisions. There's choices between right and wrong. There's choices of maybe better and best. Um, and, and God does desire to lead us in that decision-making, whether it's big or whether it's small. And I'm sure many of you have asked that question, what is God's will for my life? Or we cry out to God, show me your will. Psalm 32, verse 8 says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. We know that God will <clears throat> instruct us and teach us and guide us through life. But I want to probably maybe the most important concept on finding or knowing God's will is to just concentrate on being more and more Christ-like <clears throat> in character and being close to and in close communication with God. Just staying close to Him. That is probably the most important concept of finding or knowing God's will. And sometimes the situation may not seem clear, <clears throat> but we can trust in God in that. Proverbs 3, 6 in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Let's turn to James 4, verses 13 to 16. <clears throat> James 4, verses 13 to 16. <clears throat> Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell, and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? 
It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. For that you ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. So here we have um, these merchants. They were Jews and they were carrying out these trades and they were pretty happy with their success and as they thought about the money they are going to make and they said, this is just what we're going to do. We're going to go, we're going to buy and sell and we're going to make money. And um, nothing wrong with making money, nothing wrong with making our own plans. But um, James here, the writer, was saying, <clears throat> really trying to get across to them that they should really say, you know what, God is sovereign and we need to recognize that. And sometimes it's easy to forget that in our work and our business that, that God is sovereign and He's in control and we are dependent on Him. It's not what I have done, but it's what God can do through us. And we need to make sure that we give Him credit and um, for all that He has done for us and realize that, um, yeah, that God is sovereign and He is in control. Because it's easy to think that we can do it on our own and um, forget God, maybe in that way. Well, we can look at God's will, um, and maybe, maybe I can say in two different angles. The first one is God's secret will or his hidden will. That's um, God is sovereign and nothing happens outside of his perfect will. And in the fact that it is hidden because I don't know it, you don't know it. Um, until it comes to pass. We don't know what God's plan is for my life or for your life until it comes to pass. But God does have a specific plan for each person, and um, that is his secret will or his hidden will. Jeremiah 1 verse 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now wouldn't that be nice in Jeremiah's situation? God said, I knew when you were a baby, before you were born, that you were going to be a prophet. And um, I ordained you for that. It'd be nice if he would say that about someone for the deacon ordination, right? You're going to be the deacon. <clears throat> but um, God does have a specific plan for each one of us, and we need to, to rest in that. Psalm 139, verse 13, For thou hast possessed my reins, or thou hast created, or thou hast formed me, Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. God knows us. And he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our gifts. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. And he knows how we best could be used them for his glory. And so that's what we just give it to God and say, God, what, ha what do you have for me is best? Because you know me best. You know my gifts. You know my strengths. You know how they can be best used for your glory. And we know that God's plan for all humanity is that they would accept his plan of salvation. But he gives each man a choice, whether they're going to choose God or going to choose to follow Satan. Um, we were created as humans in the, in the beginning of creation to worship and to fellowship with him. But like I said, God allows man to make their own choices. God is sovereign, and Mark talked about that too in Sunday School Lesson. Isaiah 46, verses 9 to 11, just some verses on the fact of God being sovereign. Remember the former things are old, for I am God, and there's none else. I am God, and there's none like me, 
declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executes my counsel from far country, yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, I will also do it. Realizing that God is in control, he will bring to pass the things that he will bring to pass. The second maybe aspect of God's will is his revealed will. And those are things that God has revealed to us through his word. <clears throat> okay, we know that we are to love each other. We know that we are to watch our tongues. We are not to murder. We are not to steal. We are not to cheat. We are not to lie. All those things. We know God's principles on marriage between one man and one woman. Uh, we know God's view on immorality. We know that we are to be separate from the evil in the world. Okay, we have God's revealed will in Scripture. We know how we are to live life and live by God's principles. So that is His revealed will, things that we already know. It's just uh, the secret will or God's plan for lives that we don't know. And I think about these two angles of God's will. They need to mesh and work together. Um, Sometimes as we seek God's plan for our lives, we are humans and our desires maybe get in the way and we compromise on God's principles or his revealed will. And I trust that we won't do that, but that we will just submit to God and say, God, I want to serve you. I'm going to live for you. But let's remember not to compromise on God's revealed will and his principles in Scripture as we seek his our, his will for our lives. Romans 12, verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect <clears throat> will of God. And I think it's good to, for us to renew our minds, and to renew our minds with Scripture. Study Scripture. Understand what God has revealed to us through His Scripture, His principles, and this is also going to help us in discerning God's plan and steps for our life, for your life, <clears throat> for my life. Make sure that we understand scriptures and they can renew our minds and help us as we make decisions. So we take our questions. Should I take this job or should I move to this area or should I go to this church or etc. Take your questions and um, line them up with the principles of God's word. Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. Keeping God and his will and his, and his words close to our heart and close to our lives. And as, as, we, um, as we go through life and as we go through those different steps in life and um, as God's plan unfolds in our lives, we have different stages or different... Um, yeah, stages of life, I guess we would call it. <clears throat> As we go through those different stages of life, let's use those times to glorify God. Use it to the best of our abilities and what God has given to us, and do it all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, 31, Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whether we like what God's plan is for us right now, or whether we don't like it, let's make sure we use it for the best that God has for us. Do our best and say, God, I'm okay with what your, your will is and your plan for my life. It's not always easy to do that. It's not always easy to say that.
And sometimes we become impatient and wondering what God's plan is for our lives. And God's plan is revealed to us like little steps at a time. And I'm glad he doesn't lay us the whole, our lies out in front of us. Because there would be some things I say, nope, I don't want to do that. Or, yeah, I can do this. Or, But no, God reveals to us little bit by little bit. That's the only way that we could survive, really, honestly. Um, if God knew that, if we knew that there was something coming up that we didn't like, um, whether it's a health issue or whatever, something that would really rock us in our lives, we just wouldn't want to do that. But God reveals to us little steps at a time, and he gives us grace for those times too as well. <clears throat> Isaiah 55, verses 8 to 9, very um, familiar verses. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's plans are so much better than my plans. And um, it's just, do I like what God has for me and his will for my life? Just an illustration, and this is not a real happening in life, but um, as we think about God revealing to us his will in little steps at a time, just, just think about this illustration. So a young woman may ask God to direct her to his plan for her life and believes that college is part of that plan. But halfway through college, she becomes ill and spends the next two years in a nursing home. Is she now out of God's plan? Well, no, or not, if her heart is set to obey him. In that nursing home, she meets a young man who becomes her husband. They both love the Lord and desire to serve him and believe that his plan for them is a mission field. They begin preparation, but halfway through the training, she becomes pregnant with a high-risk pregnancy. Did they miss God's plan? Has the Lord abandoned them? Not at all. And sometimes it feels that way when you're in the midst of those times that, where is God? What is his plan for me? But no, he hasn't abandoned them. Because of their experience caring for a child with special needs, they're able to minister to other families with similar needs. Their mission field looks much different from the one that they had envisioned, but is God's plan for them. They're able to look back and see his hand in every turn along the way. And I like that little illustration as we think about different steps that God leads us to. And um, it may not be what we desire, but um, let's use those for, for his glory. God's plan is rarely a straight shot. There are detours, there are stops. Maybe there are some turns that look confusing to us. It's not confusing to God. But through those journeys, we need to obey him in all those different steps and use the opportunities as God gives. And um, as we do that, we will be in the center of God's will every step. Use the opportunities that God gives you in every turn of life. As we look at some practical ways of discerning God's will, um, these aren't all my thoughts. I did read an illustration or an article from Harold Martin as he talked about God's will. But the first one I have, some practical ways of discerning God's will, the first one is obviously is prayer, and the very, very most important and to think about praying to God, seeking God's will. James 1 verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So, 
If we need something, we ask God. He's going to give it to us abundantly. He's going to give it to us graciously. If you lack wisdom, ask of God. Very important to just pray, to bring our request to him. His leading for our lives. Big decisions, small decisions, bring them to God. Psalm 143, verse 10. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into land of uprightness. Psalm 143, verse 8, Cause me to hear the loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for if I lift up my soul unto thee. And just a cry out to God, God, <clears throat> help me to know how I should walk, where I should walk. And I think prayer puts us into a proper attitude, a good attitude, just crying out to God for his leading. And as we do, our hearts can get a sense of, of right or wrong about a certain decision um, and praying for God's leading not just my wants, my desires, but say, God, what is your will? What is your plan for my life? I want to do that. Let's turn to Joshua 9. This is just one illustration of Joshua not seeking God. Joshua 9 verses 3 to 15. <clears throat> And this is an interesting illustration and a real-life happening. Joshua 9, verses 3 to 15. I'm in the wrong chapter here. <clears throat> and when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai, they did work willily and went and made as if they had been ambassadors, and took old sacks upon their asses, and wine bottles old and rent and bound up. Now, you have to just um, think about this. They were trying to deceive Joshua and the Israelites here. And the old shoes and the clouded upon their feet, and old garments upon them, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua and the camp at Gilgal, and said unto him and to the men of Israel, We become from a far country, now therefore make ye a league with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Perventure ye dwell among us, and how shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto him, Who are ye, and from whence come ye? And they said unto him, From a very far country, Thy servants are come because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard the fame of him, and all that he did in Egypt. And all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, to Zion king of Heshbon, and to Og king of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth. Wherefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take victuals with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say unto them, We are your servants, therefore now make ye a league with us. This our bread we took hot for our provision out of our houses on the day we came forth to go unto you. But now, behold, it is dry and is moldy. And these bottles of wine which we we filled were new, and behold, they be rent. And these and these our garments and our shoes are become old by reason of the very long journey. And the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them, and made a league with them, to let them live. And the princes of the congregation swear unto them. All right. So Joshua here, as this group came, they they obviously they deceived him, saying. We're from a far country, and all these things that they had with them were moldy and old. <clears throat> and um, Joshua did question them a little bit, but it just, it's just important here as you think about there was a sin that he committed by not 
um, seeking God's leading in this whole decision making. And so that's just something for us to think about. As we think about um, decisions that we need to make in life, let's bring them to God. And bigger decisions even, I think is it takes time of prayer and fasting and fasting and listening to God speak. And not just praying, but listening too as well. And that's something I don't do very good at when I pray. Um, but to listen to God speak back to us. And um, that's very important too. Throughout, throughout your days, throughout your weeks, allow God to just speak to you. And also, fasting, just a time of concentrated prayer and giving that situation to God. The second one I have as a practical way is circumstances. Um, sometimes as we're praying for God's leading our life, there may be a circumstance or an opportunity that comes up. And maybe you can say at the right moment, maybe it's a phone call, maybe it's a job opening, or maybe it's a mission opportunity. And, um, and we say, okay, here's an opportunity. What do I do with it? And maybe it seemed like a good opportunity. But I want to say one thing about circumstances. Circumstances need to be tested. Um, as I think about the example of Joseph, we know that he went through all those difficult and different circumstances on his journey to Egypt there. And we can see the whole picture. It's easier for us to look at that and say, well, it wasn't really that hard. But yet Joseph, as he went through all those different times, can you imagine him saying, why? What, what is going on here? Why, God? Why do you have all these things planned? But yet he did his best job in every circumstance. And we can see how God used that evil done to him for good. And so we need to do our best in every situation. And it may not always be fun or ideal right where we're at right now, or right where you're at right now. But um, and maybe we may be looking for something else or maybe greener pastures, okay? But a new environment is not going to change us into more faithful servants of God. Just think about that. A new environment is not going to change you. It's not going to change me. We need to be faithful to God right here where he has us right now and be content with that. <clears throat> All right, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 16, verses 5 to 9. And this is Paul and his experience. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 5 to 9. Paul had planned to go to visit Corinth. Um, but he got stuck in Ephesus for a little bit here. I just want to read these couple of verses. 1 Corinthians 16, 5-9. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, yea, in winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door... And effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. So as, as he was at Ephesus here, there was an open door to witness, and he had opportunities here to witness and to speak for God. And so he stayed there, and he used that opportunity. And I just was just reading that. The thing about, um, yes, he had plans. He wanted to go to Corinth here, but he decided that he had an opportunity here, and the timing here was good. And he wanted to speak for God here in this time. Um, so he delayed his trip. 
But circumstances themselves do not always reveal the will of God. And I think that we need to test them through prayer and through thought. Um, even though it may feel that, hey, this is a great opportunity, a great circumstance, a great opportunity. Um, but we still need to prayer, to take it to prayer and to test it and to say, God, is this really what you want to do for me? I think about Jonah as he ran away from God. Why was there a ship for him just to get on and go the opposite way um, from Nineveh? You know, God could have God just struck him down right there, blinded him, and turned him around. But um, no. So he had the circumstance in front of us. Here's a, here's a ship. He jumped on board and, and went with them. Um, was that circumstance God's will? I think about Satan. He's alive. He's real too. And he brings counterfeits into our lives. He brings things in our lives that may confuse us in following God. And we may question God, saying, God, is this really what you have for me? And so I just want to say that circumstances do not always reveal the will of God. We need to make sure that we um, seek them out and carefully pray about them and discern what's going on. So an illustration of Paul Brand, he is... Um, his dad was a missionary in India, and he grew up, he was a doctor. And so he grew up in India watching his dad um, work as a doctor. But he just despised all the blood and all the infections, and he said, I will never be a doctor. He just vowed he would never be a doctor. So as he grew up, he apprenticed with a builder in construction in England, and there he decided he's going to go into missions as a builder, building houses. And as he went to the mission board, the mission board told him that he needed to go for training um, for tropical diseases. And so he did. That was part of, part of going. The mission board wanted him to do that. And as he was in that training, he actually ended up being in the top five of that class in tropical diseases. And his professor actually really encouraged him, saying, you really need to be a doctor. That's, I just feel that like you would make a good doctor. But remember, he had vowed he's never going to be a doctor. And, um, and, but in that class, he realized that, you know what, there's more to the medical field than blood and infectious diseases. And so he said it is about helping people and finding causes and cures to diseases and he did enjoy that, but he decided he's not going to do it. He's not going to go into medical school. So he went back to the mission board and um, to go into missions as a builder. And they came back to him again, and they said, we want you to go through a Bible course for two years. And so he did that. He said, yeah, I can do that. And partway through that Bible course, he became sick. He, got a, he had a fever. He was laid up for a while. And during that time, as he was laying there sick, he realized he was going against God's will for his life. And... He realized that God really wanted him to be a doctor. And so when he got better, he, he actually went to medical school, become a doctor. And after he became a doctor, he went back to India as a missionary doctor. And um, God used him in many ways. But one of the ways was through his practice, he became a pioneer in developing a tender transfer technique. It was something where they took a tendon out of your arm and put it into your hand to make your hand work and be usable. And they dealt a lot with people with leprosy that they couldn't use their hands anymore. So these surgeries were very successful as he figured out how to get these people with leprosy to use their hands again. But one thing that the people 
that experienced leprosy and then he did these um, surgeries on, they complained. Now get this. All right. So they, they couldn't work. And then he got their hands to work again. They complained. He said, we can't beg for money anymore. Can you imagine all of that work and all that thing you put into it? And they said, we can't use your hands. We can use your hands now, but we can't beg for money. And so he had another situation in front of him. So Paul actually, what he did is he built a village for these people with leprosy. And um, so Paul used his construction skills that he had learned earlier, and he used those skills to build a village for these people that have leprosy. And he was a very, very huge blessing to the people in India. And sometimes we question God and wonder what he's doing. But God can use those times where we're questioning him and saying, God, what's up? What's your plan for my life? Why? Why do you have me here? God can use those times um, for his glory and for his, for his um, blessing in life. And so we need to just rest in that. Um, and even though we may feel like we have made a wrong turn as, as a human, made a wrong decision, God can still use those times for his honor and for his glory. The next one I have for an example is counsel of other Christians, something that we need to practical way discerning God's will is counsel of other Christians. It's good for us to seek advice and seek counsel from other Christians. Sometimes they can see something maybe from a different angle that we don't see. Or maybe they give advice from their experiences. Good to have advice. Um, counsels from church. And I think about ordinations, and you have one coming up here. There's always, it always hits me as I think about you have all these people, um, 150, 200 people, whatever it is, and um, or 70 some whatever it is and as God speaks to each person and they give a name there's not 15 names there's not 20 names but there's one two three or four God speaks to people as they go to him in prayer saying God what do you have what is your will for the church and I think that's a huge blessing and I think there's something good about Christians coming together but um as you are seeking God's will for your life and direction Get advice from people around you. Proverbs 11, verse 14, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. There's something secure and safe about counsel from other people. But when it comes down to it, each one of us is responsible for the decisions that we make. Um, It's proper and it's right to seek advice, but each one of us needs to make that final decision, whether we accept their advice or not. We might not accept their advice, but I think there still can be good coming out of seeking advice from other people. Paul rejected his friend's advice in Acts 21, verses 12 to 14. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded... We see saying, the will of the Lord be done. They kind of gave up. They tried, to, uh, they tried to warn him, say, Paul, why would you ever go to Jerusalem? And he says, I'm willing to go. I don't care if I die. I'm going to go. And so he didn't take his friend's advice. He rejected it, and he went on his own. But I think we have to be careful, too. Maybe another aspect of counsel is be careful that as we make decisions, that we don't just make it based on pleasing other people, pleasing those people. But we need to think about it. We need to process advice. 
And um, sometimes we may get bad advice. And so think about it. Is it going to compromise God's principles, what they're saying and what they're telling me as advice? Is it going to compromise God's principles in Scripture, His reveal will to us? So it's good for us to seek counsel, um, but we also need to think about that and um, maybe not always just go on accounts of others, but it's good for us to think about that. Um, just an illustration Otto Koning, I don't know how many people know of him. Um, he's famous for the pineapple story, illustration thing that he experienced in his life. And in New Guinea, as he was a missionary to the headhunters, he calls it in New Guinea, many, many experiences he had. But this is one illustration that he had, experience he had. He was living back in West Virginia at the time with his family. He was working for a, a mission organization at the time. And there was a call from a mission organization in California. They said, come out here. We want you to come out and, and join us in our program. And it sounded like a really good program. It's something that they would like to do. So he started seeking counsel from other people. He talked to his children. He said, listen, he said, are you ready to leave your friends and make new friends? And they said, yep, yep, let's go. We're ready to go. He talked to his wife and um, talked to his dad. And they all said, I think you should go. I think we should do it. His wife said, we don't even need to pray about this. Here's an opportunity. It's easy. We need to think about it and pray about it. But um, he talked to his mission organization that he was with at the time, and he said, go. We think you should go. And so it seemed like everything was leading up to, like, this, this is what he should do. And, but he said, there's one thing yet. He says, we've got to sell the house. He says, we're going to make sure that we sell the house before we go. That is going to be God's will for us being revealed to us if he can sell the house. Well, so they, he got a real estate agent in, and um, the guy, he had a contract with him for so long, and um, couldn't sell the house, couldn't sell the house, kept on bringing the price down, still couldn't sell the house, so he got rid of that agent and got a new agent that was had a lot of bigger volume or better advertising, and um, he said, we'll be praying as you're selling, and it went sell, went sell, and the real estate agent told him, man, he said, you're just not praying hard enough. And um, at this time, it was, there was a little bit of time going on here, and the mission organization in California was saying, just come out in faith. Guy can sell the house. Just come out. Just come out and join us. But he decided, no, we're going to wait till the house sells. And it seemed like God was working on his life, and um, after the second real estate agent was done, that contract was done, and um, it seemed like God was saying, you have man involved in trying to sell your house. Why don't you let me sell your house? It just seemed like God was speaking to him in that way. And so he made up his old homemade sign, for sale by owner, and stuck it in his yard. And he figured, you know what? God's working here now. I don't, man's out of it. Um, but it wasn't very long until someone ran into his yard, knocked over his sign, demolished the whole thing. And he was like, God, what do you have for me? I'm trying to sell the house here. I'm, or you're trying to sell the house and um, I think he was just, he realized that God was saying, listen, are you really fed up with it? Are you just, can you just give it over to me and I will sell the house for you? So he took the sign down and it wasn't very much long later that this guy stopped in and knocked on the door one night and he says, would you consider selling your house? And he said, I would consider selling my house. And so, and the guy never even went through the house, never even looked at it. He just said, I want to buy your house. And so when they went to closing and all that, they, they finalized the deal. Actually, the guy tried to, when he actually, when Otto 
made his own sign up. He says he put the price back up. He said, because those guys chewed me down as real estate agents. He said, I put the price right back up to where it should be. And this guy came and he says, would you do better in price? He said, no. He said, you came to me. He says, this is the price. And so they, they worked that out. And at closing then, he talked to the guy. He says, you never even walked through the house. He said, I know. He says, I know this house. He said, I've been here. I think his family had lived there at one time. And he said, I always wanted to buy this house. But he said, he said I finally sold my farm, and I have the money to, to buy your house. He said, I'm buying it. So it was just interesting how God works through all that. Well, in the meantime, they sold the house, right? So God had all this stuff. He got the counsel from all these people, the Christians around him, his family. Everything is working out well. They sold the house. Well, during this time, that mission organization in California went under. So now what? <laughs> you feel like God's leading you this way. All of a sudden, now where you're at. But um, I was just, and then that's when his whole famous um, hitchhiking story from West Virginia to Michigan and how God just worked through all that was just very interesting. And it was a miracle too as well. But as I think about counsel and advice, yeah, it may, be, it may seem good and it may be good, but we have to be careful too that we take everything together and consider what God has for our plan for our lives. Not just take one thing, but put everything together. Prayer, counsel, um, seeking God's will. The next one I have is just common sense. All right, God gives us all common sense. He gives us minds that we can think, we can weigh the facts, we can analyze, we can think ahead of the long-term consequences or of that decision. And... God wants to guide our minds. He wants to guide our thoughts. And so we need to seek him for wisdom. Um, and you know what? God does give us feelings. He does give us desires, and that's okay. And I think we need to, to think about them and to use them. <clears throat> we may have a desire to go in a mission field somewhere. That's great. And, um, but we also need to give it to God and say, God, is this really what you want me to do? Is this where you're leading the next one I have is the prompting from the Holy Spirit. Very important, too, as we think about discerning God's will. Is The Holy Spirit is living where? Right inside of each one of us. He is there um, guiding us along the way, and we can rest in that. And But let's make sure that we heed his promptings. And there's probably we probably have all experienced times where we felt the Holy Spirit just urging us maybe to speak to someone or to help someone or to pray for someone in need. You may not even know really what's going on, but God brought that mi- something to your mind. And um, so we have those promptings from the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Let's be sensitive to them. John 16, verse 13. How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit is going to guide us into all truth. He's going to guide us the right way, and we need to rest in that. The last one I have for practical application of discerning God's will is the fact that God's hidden will, or his plan for your life or my life, will not contradict his revealed will or his principles in Scripture. Let's keep that in mind. It's not going to contradict. And when they do feel like they're contradicting, then that's not God's will. And so keep that in mind as you think about that. Just another illustration in conclusion 
This is F.B. Meyer. He was a British preacher from the 1800s. And one time he came back from a, a sea voyage, and it was stormy. Maybe something like we just experienced, maybe a little worse than that. Um, stormy and rough, and <clears throat> he couldn't really see the entrance to the harbor. It was very narrow. It was a dark night. And Mr. Meyer said to the ship's captain, he says, How do you know when to make that turn into the harbor? And the captain responds, says, Do you see those three red lights on the shore? He says, When they are all in a straight line, he says, I go right on in. As I think about um, discerning God's will for lives, make sure the lights line up, if that makes sense. <clears throat> now, those lights can be different for all of us. I can't tell you what the lights are for you. And sometimes those lights may be a little dim. Um, but make sure the lights line up. One, one of the lights I want you to make sure lines up is the principles of Scripture. I said before, make sure that they do not violate the principles of Scripture, God's revealed will. Don't compromise on God's principles. And maybe you don't get a strong or clear leading. Maybe the lights are a little dim. But it, you may feel that there's a leading this way or... Um, that decision seems to be leading a certain way, just step in faith and do it and go for it and pray as you go that if this isn't right, that God will close the door if you made a bad decision. But I think we can rest in that. Sometimes it doesn't seem clear, um, but just go in faith and God, we can rest in God that he will close the door if it's the wrong decision. Just a palm in closing here. The will of God, and this is probably something that you all have heard before. The will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot keep you, where the arms of God cannot support you, where the hands of God cannot mold you, where the power of God cannot endow you. The will of God will never take you where the Spirit of God cannot work through you, where the riches of God cannot supply you, where the wisdom of God cannot teach you where the army of God cannot protect you. The will of God will never take you, where the love of God cannot enfold you, where the mercy of God cannot sustain you, where the word of God cannot feed you, where the authority of God cannot overrule for you. The will of God will never take you, where the comfort of God cannot dry your tears, where the peace of God cannot calm your fears, where the miracles of God cannot be done for you, where the omnipresence of God cannot find you.